welcome to the, to the Man <laughs> Up podcast. I mix for one. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Justin Baldoni. Uh, I'm Liz Plank. <laughs> yes, you are. And I'm Jamie Heath. And this this is a very special day today. Mm-hmm. Why is it special, Jamie Heath? Oh my gosh, it is so special. Why? Because we have this amazing, lovely woman on our podcast, all of our podcast here, and she's got so much that she contributes. She's brilliant. You're like a scholar of so much. You have so many stats. You're like just a pro. She's a journalist, an a journalist, author. an author, all of these things. And we want to know more about you. Mm. So the guest on the podcast today is, is our wonderful co-host, Liz Plank. Because you know what? When the cameras I... are not rolling mm-hmm. and, and, and um, you're not being um, Professor Liz, mm-hmm. um, you have so much humor and fun and things and jokes <laughs> and all the stuff. And uh, I want to know some about that. Okay. I like that. Mm-hmm. And you also have some um, some um, history in your life mm-hmm. that I feel is um, worth um, our audience knowing about mm-hmm. you because it gives you such perspective to who you are. You're. It's also, you're, you're kind of like this anomaly. You're a little bit of a unicorn in that, oh. well, of all of the things that you could choose to have a career in, uh-huh. like a journalist and <laughs> making, you know, funny videos and you know all of the types of things. You, your first book, you chose to write about men. I know. So <laughs> weird. And you're a radical feminist, mm-hmm. intersectional feminist, and you are writing about men, and you have a jewelry line. Let boys cry. You really love men. Mm-hmm. And I love what you have done with your career mm-hmm. and your life. I love that you have been willing to come on to this podcast a lot. I've had a lot of conversations with women who say I could never do what Liz does. Oh, interesting. Um, you didn't tell me that. Well, why do they say that? I, I got to say, I got to save uh-huh. things for the for podcast, the podcast. <laughs> because it's not easy yeah. to sit with men and have these conversations okay. when for so many women, it's life or death. Mm-hmm. as you've brought up to us. Mm-hmm. So let's get to know you a little bit, Liz Plank. <laughs> Can we just make jokes? Uh, <laughs> no? That's what I do in therapy. That's <laughs> like, uh, an L sketch. Okay, uh, we got to go pay some bills. We will be right back after a break from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. When was the last time you didn't feel enough? All the time, all the time. I think not feeling enough is my baseline. It's a little scary how Hmm. I'm realizing through a lot of uh, deep work, uh, you know, doing the work. Me and my friends might have this joke of people who are like, I'm doing the work. That means that they're not. Like like people who say that when they call it the work, they're not doing the work. Obviously it's a joke. If you say that and you're doing the work, I'm very proud of you. Um, Is it kind of like people that say like, oh my God, I hate drama. Yes, they 
Definitely. <laughs> They're the ones who started. Oh, I hate, hate drama. drama. Oh my god. Yes. It just it just like By the way, did it, you hear about that? Exactly. <laughs> and drama always surrounds them. Like, okay, come on. Um so I don't even know what I was saying. Yeah. Feeling not enough is definitely a baseline for me. And I'm realizing it is as a result of, you know, growing up in a really dysfunctional mm. environment in in inside my home and and not, you know, it's no one's fault. No one abused me or hurt me. And so that's what actually made it hard to see. Mm. You realize that in the data, children who are neglected and who are abused, you would think the children who are abused will have the most damage, uh, you know, emotionally, psychologically. But what, what you know, research is finding is that there's actually almost no difference in their brains and in their mm. emotional well-being. So neglect can actually feel um, just as as bad as 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 abuse does. But for a lot of people, I sort of have this radar now, which is what I used to say. I used to say like, oh my God, my parents were great. Oh my God, I, like everything was fine. Like I, I had the best childhood. Like my parents were perfect. They did the best that they could. And obviously I love my parents deeply and they truly like, I, I'm so close to them. They're my best friends. But that being said, I've realized with time that, um, that yeah, a lot, like 99% of my personality is coping mechanisms mm, coping. <laughs> that I developed as a very young child that allowed me to survive, which is really exciting because like, oh my God, we made it. Thank, thank you. Um, and you're really funny now. <laughs> <laughs> You had said that oftentimes the research is showing that neglect mm -hmm. um, can be just as damaging. If and and I would think in some cases maybe more, mm. um, not all, but in some cases because people that are abused, you can you can point it out, yeah. right? And then maybe there was at least attention being put on you, inappropriate attention, mm. but you at least you are receiving something yeah. right? that then is damaging. In this case, and in your yeah. case, you're not seen anymore. Mm. Um, you're not important. And then, and where you would get that the most, we should get from our parents. Yeah. And if you don't get it there, then you're a woman going through the world mm -hmm. and continuing not to be seen. Yeah. And treated and, and forgotten about. Mm -hmm. Or I'm yes. imagining how much that has affected you. Yeah. It's, it, it's like I'm in a, and you know, I know you're both doing a lot of work, not the work, work. Uh, but a lot of it is, literally reprogramming myself yeah like i'm just re and a huge part of it is realizing is having conversations with your inner child um mm. and i actually i used to think it was one way where it's like oh i have to calm her down or i have to take care of her i have to and now i'm also realizing it kind of goes both ways like i also have to listen to her mm. and i actually have so much to learn from her <laughs> as much as I she is to learn from mm -hmm. me and uh and that part is really exciting and and I think you know for anyone who's doing this kind of work I really encourage you to let your inner child be really proud of you for everything mm -hmm. that you did and everything that you overcome mm -hmm. despite all of those things that mm -hmm. you went through I think that's like part of the healing you know of of loving yourself for having survived how do you then survive that, mm -hmm. become this amazing woman that you are, a radical feminist, so, so brilliant and strong in so many ways. You have shared personally, um, you've had a history of being in relationships that maybe aren't the most, mm -hmm. the best ones. And because you 
you um, are so adamant about educating all of us men how to be our best selves. Mm -hmm. How is it that you find yourself in relationships with the opposite of the very men that you're trying to um, create? Such a good, good question. And it's a question I've asked myself for a long time. And and I think part of it is anyone who, yeah, does, again, have trauma or whatever you want to call it, you know, small T trauma, big T trauma, like... um, or, or yeah, didn't have the secure childhood that, you know, we, that basically half of, you know, you know how attachment theory works, like half of people are secure and grew up having what they needed um, from their caretakers and then half of us didn't. And we end up in either anxious or avoidant or anxious avoidant kind of attachment styles and, and that dysregulation. Um, and I think that what I've realized is that I was recreating the, uh, traumatic (laughs) childhood (laughs) that I'd gone through Mm -hmm. to change it. (laughs) So (laughs) if I date someone who's similar to um, a parent who is unavailable (laughs) for whatever reasons, who is dysregulated for whatever reasons, um, who I can fix um, if if I can fix them, then then I've like closed that loop, <laughs> right? And that's obviously not how it it works. Um, <laughs> that doesn't, yeah. Just so you know, if spoiler you're, alert. If you're listening to this, yes, it, uh, that's not how it that's works. Not how it, yeah, it's not going to work. Uh, unfortunately, or very rarely does it work. Uh, but and, that's what you thought love was. That was your representation oh, 100%. of love. So for you to be in a relation with a man that did the same thing, that's 100%. like, oh, that's love. Yes, one hundred percent. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. That's literally all I knew. And so now I'm relearning. I'm at a point which I'm very, uh, my friend Nitika uh, Chopra is, has been a huge part of my recovery. And she and I talk about this uh, all the time where part of recovery is realizing that unavailable people are completely unattractive to me now. In a way that like mm. before there could be 25 Ryan Goslings in the room and one like medium, ugly brunette, like damaged, like narcissist. And I would be like, you, and I wouldn't see any (laughs) of the other guys. And now it's like the opposite. I actually almost don't even register you, like like romantically, right? Or as an interest, if Hmm. you are unavailable or if you are, you know, have those narcissistic tendencies or whatever it is. Hmm. Um, But that was, again, that's reprogramming. I'm just thinking about when you, when you first read my book and we were, um, you were giving me uh, notes and things mm-hmm. and you responded so much to the loved enough chapter. Mm-hmm. I'm just remembering mm-hmm. you were just like, you couldn't stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. And you were fascinated also with the beginning of Emily's and my relationship mm-hmm. and how she just, I was like here. And she was, I was like, no, she was just not having any of it. And she did a very similar thing. And mm-hmm. that I was, I was the, uh, available person but she couldn't see me oh yeah it was just it was it was terrifying and then um what was interesting and i'm and i'm curious if you've had a version of this but she actually had a dream where her father came to her and told her to stop running away from all the things that were beautiful stop and yeah and he he said you don't be like me Mm. and she was she was she was gonna run away from me um, and I'm wondering if you've had a moment, whether it be in therapy or in your inner child work, mm-hmm. um, where where something like that has happened, where you've 
that's caused that like glitch in the matrix to not be a glitch anymore. And suddenly now you can see that they're 25 mm. Ryan Goslings. Like, was there, was there a moment for you? So many, so many, so many. I mean, last night uh, I was talking to your wife about this meditation. I had to, I'm sorry, I have to like roll my eyes when I say that. Because um, <laughs> like, it's like, I, I roll my eyes because meditation is so, can I swear, fucking hard for me. Meditation. When I hear people like, you know, through meditation, I've just solved all my problems. I'm like, I just want to punch them in the face. Like, yeah. I'm very sorry. It's like not like Baha'i faith of me to like have no, that reaction. No. But like, I get, I, there's a part of me that actually feels because it's really hard for me. You're it's, kinesthetic. You have energy. You, you yes. like, it's not for easy me, it's for movement. you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so mm. for anyone who's listening who has ADHD or just like generally meditation doesn't work, like, body work, yoga, like there's yeah. so many other ways of accessing it. So for me, I have to literally work out for two hours and like almost die and like want to throw up. That's how I feel relaxed <laughs> enough to <laughs> meditate. And so I had this meditation about finding your spiritual guides. Mm. And there's a lot of them. Actually, I recommend them. There's like a bunch of them, like some of them are better than others, but they're very interesting. And you get to kind of meet your spiritual guide and have a conversation with them or mm. her or whatever. And in this meditation, again, I roll my eyes when I have my eyes closed, when I meditate sometimes, where I'm like, all right, yeah, everything's great. I'm connected <laughs> to everything. The world is wonderful. Like, whatever. I'm all love. I'm light. I'm perfect. Like, I don't... Those are all things that I, I get the opposite in my head, right? Mm. That's the, the voice in my head is like the opposite. So she rolls her eyes. But then I finally get into the meditation and I finally actually... I, got to a point of talking with my spiritual guide and I had this really moving experience like in my hotel room like literally mm. like after our first day of, of recording on Monday and I got to talk to my spiritual guide and the first thing that I said was where the hell have you been mm. and again anger because when I was little I would write letters to God I, I was raised like a true atheist like I was never they literally sent me to like a separate room when people were taught about religion where we like wrote letters to prisoners like like mm. I was like in another mm. religion was never part of my upbringing but I kept writing letters to God and God would never respond God would, was never there God never did the thing that I would ask mm. oh them to do oh, so and so sorry. 12 step programs were so hard for me because you have to have your higher power and I'm just like where they're not there they're never there they haven't been there for me it ends well, though, because I said, where the hell have you been? And my spiritual guide said, I've been here all along. Mm. And then I was like, but why can't, why haven't I been able to see you? Why haven't you talked to me? And my spiritual guide said, like, like they basically were like, I've always been here. You just have to stop and, and, and I'll be there and I'll, and, and I'll be there to listen. You have to stop running away from me, essentially. Mm. It's not bringing away from the things that are beautiful. And I was like, oh, right. Like that higher power, that higher self, that higher whatever it is, like it's been there. I've just been like working myself to the ground, working out, like trying to run away from the pain in all these different ways. And what I actually needed to do was let my higher power just like take care of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that it was my most recent powerful it reminds me of, Experience. and I'm going to butcher it, but I, uh, it's probably the same thing I'm thinking of. the The parable of this, the story yeah. of, um, you know, there there's a beach, and um, this person's walking with God, yeah. and um, they're walking together, and there's footprints in the sand, 
and uh, you can see the whole life of this person. The person looked back and got really upset and angry at God and said, you know, God, I, I looked back and I noticed that at the hardest times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. Why did you abandon me? Where were you? And then God says to the person, no, my dear, that's when I was carrying you. Mm. And I just have always loved that. Love it. So much. Mm -hmm. This idea that. It's always, always there. That we think, mm -hmm. right? We think in our rational human reptilian brains that we're abandoned. When in reality, mm. we're so loved yeah. and so protected and so cared for. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. How you got there. Yep. Yeah. Um, and how you would have not known that. Yeah. Until and, that moment. Yeah. And a big thing is like when you have been abandoned, you'll end up, this is what I realized. I was just, instead of uh, understanding the abandonment and being like, okay, I'm going to stop that. I just continually re-abandoned myself. Mm. That's what happens when you're, I, I think not in, in, in recovery or healing or you don't have the support that you need is that you end up, that was my solution. Again, to like get through it, I was like, all right, I'm going to be the best uh, student. I'm going to be the best daughter. I'm going to fix sexism. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? I'm going to take on the patriarchy <laughs> yes, I'm gonna fix by it. myself. Yes, I can do it. If I just work a little bit harder, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's and it's realizing, oh, that's another way of, that I'm abandoning, I, you know. I find it so interesting, Liz, that we're having this conversation with men. Mm -hmm. And so much of, yes. so much of masculinity is running from our pain. Yes. So much of the issues with men mm -hmm. is this hamster wheel, this patriarchal system that we have to, we just we run away. We have to prove ourselves. We got to be everything for everybody. And and I find it so fascinating that in some in so many ways mm -hmm. you've also been doing that mm -hmm. and it just goes to show that men and women are raised in the same system yeah. we're all hurting mm -hmm. we're all hurting from the same thing mm -hmm. which is i think it's like this it's your desperate plea for the world is to say like free me mm -hmm. but free yourself so that i can free me yes right. and and so many more men end up being avoidant uh, when we're talking about insecure attachment right women tend to have more anxious attachment <laughs> Liz just raised her hand. I raised my hand, yeah, <laughs> both hands. Uh, and men tend to have a, a more avoidant. And and I think that the way I interpret it, because I dated every, every flavor of avoidant, uh, <laughs> right? And and it's so easy to be like, oh, you just don't care, or you actually don't want intimacy. Yeah. But actually, avoidants want the most the intimacy. Most intimacy yeah. They're just not able to be vulnerable enough to ask for it. Or again, they were rejected or they were neglected. They were abused when they wanted in that intimacy. And so uh, avoidance for, for men is a real coping mechanism. Mm. Uh, but it ends up, yeah, hurting you more than. Mm. Okay, everybody hold that thought. We will be right back. This is Man Enough. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. So what... Now we're where you're at, and this might be too personal of a question, but what are you looking for 
in a partner and a man. Oh my god! Because you are asking me that question. Because because Liz is yeah. Liz is single. I am. And um, I At imagine. At the time of recording this podcast. I imagine this oh. is a. Uh, oh. Let's get this podcast out really quick. <laughs> let's get this episode out real quick. Let's start a, uh, a screening process. Um, have you oh, been, yeah, have you been through helpers. recovery? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> First step. Yes. Uh, but what are you looking for? I know, you know, when, um, when we had Jamie's episode, mm -hmm. I asked you a question mm -hmm. that took you back because you'd never been asked it, which is how do we yeah. create, like, What's a safe space feel like for you? Yeah. So now I want to ask you, yeah. what does a safe man feel like for you? Mm -hmm. What's what's this kind of what are you looking for? Mm. Knowing that like knowing that part of you still exists. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And by the way, I'm looking. For, I'm open to women too, just because we're putting it out there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, women and men, um, I am uh, equally interested in. Oh, I'm expanding the net. Got it. Uh, as much as possible. Net's growing. <laughs> <laughs> Net is, Net's been expanded. So you're open to to both. Yes. But okay. Um, Personality wise, like. Well, I like. would say still. But, yes, but in terms yes, of a man, for sure. If for they sure. were a man, because yes. if it were a woman, there'd be a different set of criteria, that, maybe that mm -hmm. they're right. So at that same question mm -hmm. in regard to what yes. kind of man are you looking? No, that's at a good. Yes, that that's true. So I am looking. I don't want a man who is uh, trying to save me. And I don't want a man who's trying to manage me and like, because that's really, again, what was kind of the, the the trope, which I, again, am fundamentally responsible for because I would seek that uh, out. And then, you know, what you seek, you end up inviting and and, and then keeping in your, in your life. So I, I want someone who shows me love, not by taking care of me, but helping me take care of myself, helping me take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So I think that I misunderstood that. And in turn, uh, yeah, dated people who in some way were invested in me remaining broken. Oh, for sure. Because, no, that makes perfect <gasps> they, sense because they need you to be broken for them to feel powerful. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, they, you have to be broken for them to feel yes, like they're they not. Can fit, yes. And yeah. Yes. I, mm -hmm. I'm 100%. And I'm just kind of seeing that now. I. So, so that's the number one thing. But you know where that comes from, Liz? Where, where does that come from? It's it's what we're talking about here. It's okay. how we as men in the world yeah. feel powerful. Mm -hmm. Because when we're the most broken, we have to find somebody else mm. who's more broken than us. Mm. That's that's the patriarchal ladder. Mm. It starts there at the bottom. Mm. So it translates into our relationships, into our friendships, into that's why there's no safe places for men wow. amongst men. Wow. Did you guys do that? I did. I did. Growing up, for sure. Mm. The bully, when you're bullied, mm. you then become a bully because yeah. that's the only way you feel better. Mm. There's no, there's no, that's why, you know, in the book, I, and we're going to go back to you, but I write, you know, one day I could be being tied to the goalpost, mm. right? By the varsity guys in the soccer team. Mm. And then the next day I was tying somebody else. Wow. Right? Yeah. And the goalpost was masculinity. I would add, back, to, back I would just minute. add, I agree with what all that was, but I don't fully agree with it. Okay. And I only say this yeah. for you to hear. <laughs> I think um, you're right that a lot of men do that. There's also men that are not looking for someone broken um, to fix. That they want someone. Oh, no, I agree with you. Okay, good. I'm I not thought, saying, I, I'm not saying all you. men. Yeah. This isn't an all men yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of men yeah. do that. But a lot of men uh, want someone 
that's a strong and powerful and 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 not broken or oh, and all of sure. these things. But what happens because of what we're told and the kind of man that we're supposed to be, and so much that we end up in a relationship and we end up doing some of these things. Yes. Anyway. Yes. That, yes. That Agree the, completely, yeah. Jamie. Yes. I, yeah. I meant more. I meant more, we're talking about men who have not started a healing process. Mm. And therefore, the only way they can feel powerful okay, good. is to keep somebody else broken. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. For those men, right? yes. For those men. I'm not, I'm, this is not a generalization mm-hmm. on all yeah, men. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Mm-hmm. No, oh. yeah. Good, good, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. And I'm, again, it's like, it's, it goes both ways. Like, it, it's it's annoying for men because they have this box to fit, to fit into and prove that they're strong in all these ways. And then women also then, I, I feel like I've, I don't want to be the woman that I was in my past relationships with men. Mm. Like, like it's it's a lot about. What were you? What was I? My whole personality was shaped around the relationship, mm. and in response to the relationship. And right. I think again, a lot of women sort of do that. Even like Barack Obama, and Michelle Obama, like talk about it. Like <laughs> when she talks about it in, in in the book, and it's a even when I wrote my book, that's a number one you know sort of complaint or problem in heterosexual marriages is that women have you know what you call codependency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, putting uh, someone else's needs b- before mine, and again, like. It, it makes it sound like I'm I'm this great person. Like, oh my God, I'm Mm-mm. just like Mother Teresa. Like everyone else matters. Like, no, that's actually, that makes you dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make you a, a, a better person to not know what you need and not know that you can fulfill those needs. Like, and knowing that you don't need another person to do it for you, another person to teach you how to do it or an external, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, substance or work or whatever you use to, 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 to respond to those needs. Like a lot of it is like being an adult and and like being like, what do I need? And I can I can do it for me. And that's why I'm not really dating right now, mm. which is like a new thing for me too. Mm. Cause like I I love dating. I don't love dating. I love like, you know, being I love relationships and connecting. Mm. And but I I had to be like, okay, whoa. Like I gotta yeah. know that I can do this on my own before I bring someone else in. Mm. And I've worked, I'm working so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. I'm investing so much of my time, so much money and my resources into building myself that I'm not going to let any any bozo walk in <laughs> again gender neutral like female male gender non-binary person walk in with with their mud with their shoes full of mud all over my all over my house that I've built you know mm. and so it's it's a lot of like self-respect i imagine <laughs> that you you um you know i i say to you all the time how incredible i think you are for so many reasons. One is that you um, put up with me and Justin. (laughs) What I love about you is on one hand, you um, are so strong and and have such conviction. Um, And I fear that some men, speaking about men, um, see that and are afraid of that Mm -hmm. and think that, oh, that person means this and this, and then therefore you're not getting a lot of great guys Mm. because they think that you're, something that you're not. What you, what I see you are is you, you challenge me. Um, you may disagree with things I say. Mm-hmm. And then um, the next day, the next hour, the next minute, you're hugging me, loving me. You mm-hmm. still love me, support me. Um, you are not, um, being strong for some reason seems to be threatening to people, yeah. to men so much. And you, um, you are so wonderful in how you walk. Um, that I hope that you find somebody, and if it is a man, um, 
that sees you and honors you and is there for you and supports you and supports you for you and also supports you, but not because he's trying to fix you because mm -hmm. he's just there championing you, mm -hmm. um, all the things that you deserve, mm. the man you're trying to create yeah. um, or help create. Um, I know that you will find that person. Um, we just need to um, filter him for you. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> my, what Justin, a good my, version, my version of that is I want you to find somebody. My hope for you is you find somebody where you never have to dim your light. Mm -hmm. Yes. Where in fact, it's like a magnifying prism mm -hmm. where you step into the relationship and your light yeah. just explodes. Yeah. And the other thing I've, you know, you made me think, Jamie, there's this, I don't know, I kind of feel like the word emasculated is such a bogus bullshit word I because I think what you were referencing is so many men, I think in the presence of a strong badass like Liz, feel small. Have you had that? Have you felt oh. that at all in your life? Like like where men maybe are intimidated by you? For sure, yeah, for sure, yeah. But I think that like if you can, f if men could hold their power and recognize that like, they should want a strong, opinionated, oh badass woman. Like you don't want a subservient, like no idea person. Like that's not, like, and, and we've trained women to be that, I think, to be safe. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and now it's so exciting to see what's possible because I believe, and this might be controversial, I think that when you have two people Hmm. that bring that fullness that wholeness that have done their own work and then their whole they're not looking to like have the other half filled mm -hmm. they bring their full selves to it and you have that like no you're wrong let mm. me tell you why or you have these conversations i think that the sex is better the chemistry mm -hmm. is better there's sparks uh -huh. it's not just like you know and you have uh, someone in your corner like you think like mm -hmm. oh okay strong woman that uh that's intimidating and all that what that means but in fact, what you're getting, like if I'm building a team, mm -hmm. let's say a basketball team, I want the strongest players out there yes. because my team is going to succeed that yeah. way rather than thinking of them as an opponent. Mm. So if a man sees a woman that's strong and has conviction, that's who you're getting on your team, on your team, yes. not your opponent. And, you know, what's funny is that men want their daughters to be badasses <laughs> and empowered and brave. All that, but and not their wife. It's and, their... and on their wife not yeah. to be. And I think that's... Some men, not all men. Not all men, but the, this is based on, not my opinion, based on mm. actual research on this. And, and I hope that's changing. I hope that's I different. Hope so. But don't... I feel like we need to... Not shame or judge men who date like people who don't have aren't on their level, but I think we should be like, oh, that says a lot about because I heard that the other day from uh, my friend's husband, where her husband, if he meets a, a business partner or, or you know someone he is a, a potential client, and that the wife is like kind of a you know doesn't talk doesn't is, is not on the same level he's like oh I don't know if I can trust that guy like mm. I don't know like it's like it says a lot about him yeah. Well, you're not challenged. Yeah, it's it's this again. Right. It's this it's this fake word, like yeah. being emasculated. Yeah. Because, you know, I had a I was having a great chat with our uh, with Esther Perel, who I think is mm. a mutual friend, and oh, yeah. and and we were talking about how masculinity is so is such a performance that, hmm. and it, it and it is this this mythical thing that can be taken away. Yeah. 
from some by somebody else like this idea that mm. oh somebody else can take away my masculinity but we don't do that with femininity yeah. there's no word that matches emasculated for effeminated mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. add you could be in her masculine mm-hmm. you could be like, oh she's like acting like a dude and then what do we do with women that act in their masculine mm-hmm. right we call them names we mm-hmm. say they're you know all the various things but for men we've created this word because our egos are so fragile yeah. that if we're in the presence of a strong woman that challenges us mm-hmm. we become emasculated right. we like oh i'm not a man and that's just mm. i think we just got a lot of work to do there yeah and even if you think about it the fact that someone could just take it away at any point also means that it's coming from someone else that like you feeling masculine yeah everything's external and that's such a giving away of your power right like to give other people you know the the power to determine who you are yeah. <laughs> like whether it's positive or negative is just a recipe for unhappiness and what ends up happening when we know that our masculinity can be taken away by somebody else is we spend our entire lives trying to prove it yeah. mm-hmm. which is pretty much why we're doing this podcast mm-hmm. right now yeah. uh but I let's have, just can we I get away from dating real quick yeah i wanted to ask a couple questions okay quick. as long Sorry. as is it about dating over. it's about the questions i'm about to ask don't referee what i'm about to <laughs> well, ask i want to referee because she's so much more than dating don't referee me i'm about to ask her a question okay jamie Heath. <laughs> look I, I know you have another question let's take a quick break yes, sir. she's so much more than just her dating life okay <laughs> we will be right back uh after a break from our sponsors all right, welcome back to the Mad Enough podcast. I wanted to ask you, Liz. Yes. Um, and I want to. I'm just going to be straight up and blunt. Not blunt. I'm going to ask you direct. Oh, we haven't been blunt already. Yeah. When are you we not? Were we not? I'm going to ask you direct because I'm trying to phrase this in a in a, in a in a way. Let me just ask you straight up. What makes you qualified to have a discussion to be a voice where men are talking about? Uh, it's called Man Enough. Mm-hmm. What makes you qualified to be a part of that conversation and have mm-hmm. a voice? Uh, the same thing that makes you the most qualified to have a conversation about whiteness, that you as That's a black a man understand whiteness far more mm. than I understand it or Justin can understand it. What a great answer. <laughs> and it's <laughs> not to say that it's your labor or no, your work, no, but, but you actually you. can teach us way more about it because you have had to deal with it every single so s- minute. Say that one more time so someone can hear that again because okay. that was deep. What makes you qualified? What to have makes a voice? me qualified to have a voice about masculinity is what makes you qualified as a black man to have to have the most important voice when it comes to talking about whiteness and racial justice. Is that you, um, when you're the oppressed uh, group, you know everything about the oppressor. You know things that they don't even know about themselves. <laughs> you can tell what they're going to do, what they're going mm. to say. You're you're anticipating the way that you can't sit with your back to the door because you're anticipating danger as a woman. You can't walk home, you know, without looking over your shoulder, without having something in, you know, a pair of keys in your hand or knowing who you're going to call if something happens. Like, it's the same thing we're, as women, we're constantly anticipating that too. Mm-hmm. And so we know everything about you. <laughs> so let me ask one a follow-up question to that. I love that answer. Thank you. That was done. That was it. <laughs> Put that up on the wall somewhere. Um, why... Um, tell me something. What do you love about men? Oh, so many things. I actually love a lot of the things that I end up kind of seeming to criticize with men. I actually also respect and admire with men. Mm. Like when it comes to friendship, for example, I may, I may have brought this up already, but 
you know, men have, uh, w women have face-to-face -face friendships and men have more shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder friendships. Again, not generalizing, not an opinion, just based on the research. And sometimes I will kind of yearn <laughs> <laughs> for a it's shoulder like, to it's shoulder a little too sometimes. exhausting sometimes yeah like sometimes i'm like hour five of this brunch of like where we're talking about our childhood <laughs> trauma and our deepest insecurities like be kind of cool to just kind of like shoot the shit you know and like watch you know i don't know a base i mean maybe not a baseball game because i'm not that much of a fan but just it'd be a little more cash yeah um and i think the way that men can connect again sometimes it can feel and, and I think there's there's less emotional we, we teach men less emotional capabilities than we teach women and girls. But sometimes I also think it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be nice to like the way that you guys don't need to see each other for a really long time. And then you can text a friend and you guys meet up and it's like no one's angry. No one's upset. No one has residual like you didn't text me back that one time where I got my bridesmaid, whatever. Like um. it feels more. You know, easy going, easy going, easier. yeah, and and not as much pressure. Like. And then last, you do so much research. You've dedicated so much of your life to this. Um, um, and you have answered before, but I'd love to hear it again. Why do you care so much about men being better? Because mm -hmm. I think it's the only way um, to better women's lives. Like, I, it's to me the only. It, it's not even. I mean. It's not even like, oh, it's it's part of it. To me, it's the only way through. And again, I, I think, you know, right before I my book came out, I read this like really interesting book. It was called Machiavellian for Women. Like I, I'm fucking up the title. Um, but it was all about how women have to fight if you want to harness your power as a woman, again, this is going to sound really loosey-goosey, but if you want to harness your power as a woman, most women won't be as, like, physically strong as their opponent. Like, you won't, if, if, if a man comes at me and hits me, like, I could hit him back and, like, you know, there's a chance that, like, I'm stronger, but most likely I, I won't. And so what the author argues in this book is, like, women have to fight not by fighting the enemy, but convincing the enemy that they're actually on their side. Mm. And that like fundamentally shifted my consciousness when it came to gender equality, because I didn't, that wasn't what I was doing. I was just pushing, 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 and obviously not getting much. <laughs> and then I started inviting, right? I started um, opening my arms instead of like pushing, you yeah. know, people away with my arms. And um and then that felt not only different for me, it felt a lot better for me, but it also felt a lot different for the people around me and, and the community around me. And I started not just talking to other women about it, I was talking to everybody about it. And that's why I care. Um, not just because I want women to be treated as human beings and not have to face uh, unsafe streets and, and live in unsafe homes, but I also think, um, I also think that people aren't evil, as you said, they're broken. And I want, I, I, I think we can all heal. What I hear you say when, um, when I ask that in your answers, I say, why do you care so much about men? And I hear you say, because I love you. Mm -hmm. All your answer mm -hmm. means because I love you. Yeah. 
And I don't see us as different. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I've, I've like stopped believing in that. I really, you know, Alok has spoken about this on our podcast. We've assigned this category so much importance. Like we've made it so important. Mm. Same thing with race. Like race was literally invented by like white colonialists, like, you know, 500 years ago. Like it is something that we have decided is really important. We separate bathrooms based on it. We se- we have a little, you know, letter next to your name on your passport. And first thing you want to know is like, where does this person fit into either category? And Box. I just don't think it's that important. Right. Like we are actually all connected. That is the one thing I will listen in that meditation. Mm. And I will believe is that women and men and all people of all genders are all, we're all connected and we're all the same. Mm. Beautiful. So there is no me and you. It's just an us. Right. So Mm. what does it mean for you? I have one more question. Oh my God. Seriously? (laughs) I have one more question. 45 minutes in guys. Okay. Go ahead, Jamie. Do you want me to leave? Do you want to just do the interview? I'm happy for you to leave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, please go ahead. Um, I forgot what it was. <laughs> go ahead. Do you actually not have one? I, I did, but I forgot it. All right. I was going to go to the rapid, to some rapid fire questions. Mm. Oh gosh. Okay. I like so prefer to ask questions than answer them. But... You're so good at answering You're so them. so good at answering them. Welcome to this week's Man Enough podcast rapid fire questions. When was the last time you cried? I know I cried yesterday, but I don't remember why. Well, during that meditation on Monday, mm. I know that was a time. So that was like two days ago. Yeah. That made me cry. Mm. Yeah. So funny, the very thing that you earlier just said, uh, you roll your eyes about meditation. All I, this I stuff, know. And yet it worked. you cried during it. I know. Look at me. You have a chance to time travel back to physically be there with your nine-year-old self, the little Liz that was being neglected and wasn't seen. What do you say to her? Um... You guys are so annoying. Um, um, I guess I would ask her what it is that she needs. And I know that sounds like really simple, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't a question that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was asked and, and that I had the capability to ask myself. So I'd ask her what she needs and I would just like do it. <laughs> like I would, and even if it was just like, oh, I'm kind of, I just need someone to hold me. Like I would just hold her like as big or as small, right? Like, and, and so, yeah, I would just ask her what she needs. And, and I, and I think again, it's a really important question for all of us to ask ourselves throughout the day, like many times a day mm-hmm. and really just, and listen. Um, and the other thing I would do is like, I would just laugh at her jokes. Like I would like, Mm. I would Mm. see her creativity and, and her personality and, and just celebrate it. Like I would just be, you know, Tony, Tony Morrison talks about this, of, of that light, uh, that an adult has when a child walks into the room. 
And like, I would just look at her that way. I wouldn't even need to say that much, you know, but just look at her with, and just be enchanted by her, you know, excited to see existing. Yeah. Yeah. Without her having to do anything to, you know, Mm. earn it. Um, Mm, It's beautiful. Yeah. Those are real things. I think it makes sense to me because our relationship, when we first, I feel, um, when we got attached to each other, um, interesting was when there was something going on and I had called you yeah and essentially um kind of asked that what can I do yeah what do you need yeah not to fix something for you how can I be here for you and um and that meant so much to you that's kind of like what you um what made you Mm -hmm. like me (laughs) I mean it 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 was one of the yeah a, a really important moment in in I think our relationship, but also in my life, like, mm. and yeah, it was really meaningful. So you have a, you have the same time travel device, and now you're fast forwarding to your funeral. Yeah. What do you hope is said about you, Liz Plank, and how you move through the world as a human? I'm less concerned with what would be said about me but i would be more overjoyed by the people who would be there whose lives have been changed Mm -hmm. by me or not you know yeah because of me but that i had a part in affecting and so when i think about that about what what it would look like for, for me to yeah be this ghost and and sort of this third perspective on it it would be to see like all the people who uh who somehow yeah i i touched in in a certain way that set them on all the people you set free maybe or they said i think they set themselves free but that i helped yeah you know in in any way gave them the keys to their handcuffs yeah Yeah. there or you know gave them a hint for the past Mm. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah that would be my and what do you think it means to be man enough? I really think right now, I think it'll, if you ask me that question, it would be different probably every week. I think this week, it's a lot about emotional responsibility and responsibility in general. Mm. You know, it comes back, you know, a lot of our guests have sort of talked about that and it's been something I've been thinking about, which is, yeah, it's it's not enough to, to just say, cry and let it out and have emotions right yeah it's like yes and take responsibility for those emotions um so that to me when i see a man doing that mm. damn damn now you can okay? see him now you can see that guy yes mm-hmm. exactly now you can see him yes now, now you're he's like, in, co- in color and everyone else is in black and white damn that Beautiful. guy looks like yeah ryan gosling yes <laughs> and he looks like ryan that's who i'm manifesting um is ryan gosling like the the gold standard for me, but it's a weird, yes. Mm, nice. <laughs> it's just the way it is. All right. Canadian. Uh, so you could be doing anything right now. Uh-huh. You are v- very in demand, Liz. You are. <laughs> You're very in demand. Um, <laughs> there's been multiple times where she's, you've had to leave early for speeches right. and things and book releases and all um, kinds of stuff. And in between. Shows, tic- you almost TikTok all these things. things. TikToks. TikToks um, in between. Very in demand. Why, why did you want to do this podcast with uh. us? I feel like it was, uh, I feel really grateful 
for the universe's plan to make this podcast happen. Mm. I really do. Mm-hmm. And obviously I feel grateful for you. Um, having, I feel like you recognized it or you saw it or you felt it and you reached out and you know, we- well, I just saw your brilliance. Well, <laughs> thank you. But I feel like you didn't know how we would end up like working together, right? And working feels like, uh, it's like more than that, like collaborating. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, I feel like this was the the, the plan all along, and and, yeah. and I'm so happy that that we mm. both didn't resist it, or you know, or whatever, like life didn't get in the way of it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, to me, it was the most no- normal, natural. Like I just let myself flow into it. Mm. So yeah, there's it wasn't even a question. It was just like, oh yeah, this is what I meant to do. Mm. Well, we're so grateful because this, without you here, this doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I mean, I feel the same way. I don't know how I would do and, my life without you. And uh, well, we're just so grateful for you and so for your perspective. Very. And um, and thank you for opening up and sharing so much of yourself with thank us you. today. Thank you. And, my whole uh, body's tense. I'm gonna now no, like release because it's now over. release. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> and I can only imagine all the applications that are gonna be flooding in. And 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 also, Liz, on behalf of of us, your ability to uh, be here always on every episode and um being one uh that is on the bad end of the stick of of uh, when men have toxicity and um stuff we're trying to work through but you are willing to be here always um and love us and challenge us um, and not give up on us and not give up um and give us space when we need it and then interject and mm-hmm. we bump heads and yet you stay and mm-hmm. show up um, sometimes you expect more of us, mm-hmm. um, than we're ready to give. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate that. I'm so happy that you're a part of this, um, as I say so often, but it's really important that I keep saying that, that we say mm-hmm. so that, um, we can say it to ourselves, but also that you can know, mm-hmm. um, and be reminded that you are enough, that you are seen, that we love you and we're here for you. Thank you. We love you, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, if you Me like too. what you're hearing, uh, come hang out with us. Come on. Uh, you can like and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out at manenough.com slash podcast. And, uh, and we'll see you next week. I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Liz Plank. And I'm Jamie Heath. And this is Man Enough. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough Podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble, in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Mahotra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Kerry Rathode from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kahea Kiwaha is our producer. Brandy Cole is head of marketing. Susie Landers O'Connell is our assistant editor. And Josh Schneider is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.